0: This may sound really odd here on the podcast. We don't really believe in just pure charity. We believe in helping the community learn how to do it and fend for themselves.
1: Welcome to the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show with your host, Jerry Saber. Hi, this is Jerry Saber and you're listening to episode 53 of the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show the podcast where we go in-depth and behind the scenes with the people creating a plant-based future so you can get inspired, learn from their experience and their approach, and find out what works when you're setting up your own vegan company or brand. Uh, Today, we're exploring vegan cosmetics again, deodorants to be exact. And you know, while there may be some lucky individuals out there who really do not smell after they go plant-based, for everyone else... The search for an effective product that's aligned with your values can sometimes be a bit daunting, especially if you also pay close attention to ingredients. Now Margot Corey and her husband Joshua David created such a product 9 years ago and they decided to call it the best deodorant in the world. So besides everything else, this stock is definitely about setting high expectations and making sure you reach them. But it's also about staying true to your values while creating an international business. It's about giving back and it's about having the courage to pull your product from the shelves and rebuild your brand just to make sure it really represents what you believe in. Margot, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, Jerry. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me on.
1: Thank you for joining me. I'm really glad that we connected. and. You know, I'm looking forward to actually trying this product of yours, even though right now, as I mentioned, you're still in the pre-launch phase of of version two, if I understand correctly, right? Yeah,
0: final version reformulated. Yep, just in the in the pre launch phase right now.
1: Right. But you know, before we start that, to start off the interview, how did you personally start off? What's your background and what actually brought you to veganism?
0: Yeah. So, okay. I'll target that one first. Basically 10 years ago, maybe even 12 years ago. Now I saw some videos online, like a lot of us start and uh, you really can't unsee what you see once you see the atrocities and the suffering and all that. So that's really what led me to the whole movement. And I went back and forth since even then, because I found it quite difficult to stick to um a diet or I guess, cause I thought it, I didn't really know how to do it the whole food way, the simple way we do now. So six years ago is when I really went plant-based 100% and I haven't looked back since. So, yeah, Of course, great documentaries out there like Earthlings and Cowspiracy and Now What the Health and some really dear friends involved have helped the movement a lot. And my family, I should mention, is also plant-based. Our children don't eat meat. My son has never had meat or dairy and um, they're the healthiest children we know.
1: That usually happens, yeah, with with vegan kids. So that that's pretty awesome. What about the business background, like before you started making deodorant, what what did you do?
0: So before, you know, path to, I guess, uh, the the entrepreneurial path is never a straight line, is it? We always sort of start with something. If we have entrepreneurship in our blood, we always start somewhere and um, do what we can to get to the next thing. And so we were speakers. I've been on stage with several people. I remember we still had a few coaching clients up until a little while ago. So that's really what we did a lot of consultation. I was also a teacher. My background is actually teaching. So I taught in the public school system for many years uh, before all of this and during all of this. So I have that in my blood as well. And I will say that having been a teacher, this is a little bit off topic, Jerry, so steer me back if you need to, but having been a teacher even before having children, I decided that I would not put them into public school for many reasons. So, uh, you know, that helped my path now because they're, you know, entrepreneurs need to, all of us need to thrive with uh, what we choose to do, not be told what to learn. So, yes, yeah. that's my background in a nutshell, I guess.
1: That's pretty interesting. And I don't mind exploring that at all, because if I understood that correctly, you're basically you're running this brand and you're homeschooling your kids.
0: Yeah, we're actually very loosely homeschooling our children. We don't really have a curriculum. What's considered more sort of free schooling or unschooling? It's a growing movement as well. Um, we travel the world with them. They are my son is six years old. He taught himself to read. Basically, uh, it's really the philosophy uh, comes from the idea that you know we as human beings learn through our passions when we want to learn something. No one had to ta- teach us really to walk to eat, to talk, to, to do all that stuff. And so learning comes naturally when we're allowed to be in our, in our, I guess, have autonomy over what we learn and how we learn it. So my experience with the school system, especially the public school system, that institution really sort of puts children into a certain category. They're either smart or they're not, or okay, they have to learn math and science and English and art, even though they may not love all of those topics. I love the idea of having children thrive, learning what they want to learn. So I hope that answered your question.
1: Yeah, that sounds like an interesting way to to raise and educate kids.
0: It's wonderful, yeah.
1: Especially the the traveling around part, because you're you're doing that as well. I mean, you you guys have lived all all over the world, essentially.
0: We've lived all over the world. We've taken our children to Mexico, where you are now, and we've uh, lived in Costa Rica all over the states and now we're back in Canada. We were on, on the West Coast, and now we're East Coast. And what's wonderful about that is our children are getting a real world education. They're learning how the world works, not just from a textbook or from what an instructor would uh, teach them. And so, yeah, we're thrilled. As entrepreneurs, I see, I mean, we were all a little bit, uh, not traumatized, that's a really harsh word, but we were all a little bit kind of shut down or shut up in the public school system when really um, entrepreneur, the entrepreneurial personality type You know, you're, you're the entrepreneurial plant plant based entrepreneur. Our personality type needs to be free to uh, explore and outside of the box that society puts us in.
1: Yeah. I would say that even with all the useful stuff that you can definitely get from, you know, institutionalized education, there's still so much that needs to be unlearned to really get to, to your potential. You no.
0: wouldn't Until you start this journey, it's unbelievable how much needs to be unlearned. The paradigms that we were taught that need to be deconstructed or broken, that, you know, basically everything that we've been taught is almost the opposite of reality. So, you know, everything, mm-hmm. no one's taught real life how to balance a checkbook. No one, you know, half the world's in debt because no one knows finances and things like that. But anyway, we have friends that are in school. We have we have friends all over the map. But it, you know, even though there's no one size all for every single person, in my heart, I believe people, children, will thrive in a self directed type education. Uh, that's a whole other topic, a whole other podcast. But there is an alliance for self directed education. If anyone wants to check it out, it's run by my friend Dr. Peter Gray. He's incredible. He writes for Psychology Today, and he there's a movement, you know, of self directed education. You can mm-hmm. be at home, you can be in a building, there's uh, democratic schools out there, or you can just kind of be in nature.
1: <laughs> yeah, that sounds nice as well. But yeah, let's return back to the topic at hand. And mm-hmm. I guess it sounds like you, at least with your children, you were definitely breaking paradigms. That's similar to what you did with, when you came up with, with the deodorant?
0: Yeah, in a way, because we were making deodorant. <laughs> Not We didn't even intend for it to be a business, Jerry. We just kind of made it for ourselves in my kitchen to fill a need. We were changing all our products, my husband and I, before we had children, were changing everything to a more natural lifestyle. But the last thing we couldn't find was deodorant. So we sort of made, turned our kitchen into a deodorant lab in a way, and we just made it. And then our friends started using it and loving it in stores, carried it and sold out. But then fast forward a few years later, we were sort of waking up every morning thinking there's got to be more to life than just this, like selling deodorant, it's sort of business. And that's when two years ago, you mentioned earlier, we, we decided to pull it off all shelves and reformulate rebrand and make it more in line with who we are as a family. So for instance, there's no plastic in our product whatsoever, not in our formula, not in our packaging, or even our shipping material. We're encouraging other companies to do that too. And also, the mission behind our company is: every jar sold is uh, our company provides one full year of clean drinking water to a person in need for every jar sold. So I'm really thrilled with what it's become.
1: Yeah, but before we we start exploring that, because I'm really interested in how you're giving back. Still, so what you were doing with the company before you decided to rebuild it that way is impressive because you you started in your kitchen and then you got to the point where you were selling it all over the world, basically. Yeah. How did that growth look like?
0: It was uh, phenomenal. We really say 2009, but it wasn't 2000. It was not a business back then. It was for us. It was just a deodorant. And so a couple of years later, it was only a couple of years, maybe two or three years later that we had it in our first stores. And to our surprise, they literally sold out. So it's, uh, word of mouth, we've been growing organically, we haven't poured a lot of money into advertising or anything like that, it was just, my husband is a phenomenal, he's a genius when it comes to online anything, marketing, funnel building, all of that, so he's the reason for our online success, and then we had it in hundreds of stores across North America, you know, success for us, for our family, is a very successful company, and so it was a really tough decision to shut it down. And it actually came after a health scare. My husband had to have surgery due to a lump in his chest. So he had surgery twice in one week and almost didn't make it. That's when we just said, that's it. You know, we were thinking about it before. That solidified our decision to uh, do something greater in the world.
1: You know, one thing that stuck with me when we had our pre-interview chat was that you, you mentioned that you actually moved back to Canada because it was easier to do business there as compared to the States?
0: Yeah, that might have been a misunderstanding because I actually, it's easier to do business here as opposed to doing a business in Central America, not necessarily North America, yeah.
1: All oh, right. yeah, well, yeah. Central America, I can definitely imagine.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we were there, we were in Costa Rica trying to do our business and basically, you know, nothing was being shipped. We need to see our product before, like our manufacturer makes it and we receive some, some, some of the product to see if it's a quality, we do some quality control and testing. And anyway, that's why it's easier in Canada or the United States. But we are Canadian, and that's why we're here and not the U.S. So. Yeah.
1: And the <laughs> way that you set your production, obviously, you you weren't making this in your own kitchen. You had a production partner who was manufacturing this for you.
0: So a few years back when I was pregnant with my second child, actually, yeah. So second child was Olivia. I was like, I looked around our kitchen, and I there was jars, literally. Like, we couldn't cook. We couldn't All do anything right. in our kitchen because right. I it was like mountains of... Jars, deodorant, it smelled phenomenal, like peppermint and beautiful. But that's when I said, you know what, it's time. Like it's growing out of our kitchen. So we decided to take it to uh, find a a third-party manufacturer, which we did in Florida.
1: And then they produce this, then it goes to another warehouse and they fulfill everything for you. That's right. And from there, you're basically shipping all over the world or... How does that work for a cosmetics company? Because I know that for, for the food industry, for instance, there's a lot of hoops that you need to jump through if you want to export. Is it any easier for for a product like deodorant?
0: Yeah, people, it's just, Amazon's made it so much easier in the world as well. But uh, basically people just order and we have it shipped to them. Now, mind you, some countries, it's not an easy sh- just ship, right? There's uh, customs and there's things involved. But generally speaking yeah, our Fulfillment house in Ohio would ship the product sort of everywhere all over the world and it's getting a little bit easier and we're trying to bring some back home to Canada you know have a fulfillment house here as well for all the Canadian orders and if it happens to be cheaper to ship from here so far in our experience it's much more cost effective for our customers to ship out of the U.S. because it was manufactured in the U.S. the carbon footprint is actually smaller if it stays in the U.S. and then ships out so we always want to think of the environment as well as well as our customers. I mean, we don't want to charge an arm and a leg for shipping one deodorant, even though many of them buy like a year's supply at a time. But uh, yeah, so does that does that answer your question? There's we're looking at different fulfillment opportunities as well.
1: Yeah, I'd love to know a little bit more about the shipping side of things because um, yeah, within the states or states to Canada, I can imagine that's cheap. But how much cost does it? on top of the product when you're shipping to to Europe or Australia or whatever?
0: That's a great question. We charge, so for within North America, it's 4.99 shipping usually. And we offer free shipping in the United States because it's it's only $2 or something to ship the product. But uh, that's why people order a large quantity because we charge about 9.99 shipping for international, whether Mm -hmm. it's our huge package or even just one deodorant. So instead of paying 9.99 for just one single jar, most people in Europe and, you know, international will order a big package of deodorant. So, and now we've been contacted by several distributors from other countries, people wanting to open up our company in, there was one in the UK now, Mauritius just got their shipment, you know, product there. And so many more countries are opening up their own, the best deodorant in the world facility and having their own fulfillment within that country.
1: So you're basically, you're bulk shipping to, to that fulfillment center. And then from there, it it goes out. Just a side question, but that nine ninety nine for international shipping seems super low. Is that the actual cost of shipping or does that go into your margins a little bit?
0: We pay for the rest. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to gouge our customers for shipping. It's too much. And so we just absorb it and um, everyone's happy in the end. We're happy, they're happy. And so we know the value of having quantity over, like, you know, the, like ordering many of them. So we were fine as a company doing it that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And how about now we're getting to the point where you decided to to pull this from the shelves and, and rebrand, rebuild it from the ground up, essentially. How difficult of a decision was that?
0: It was the most difficult decision ever. This is our family's bread and butter. This is like how we've been surviving as a family, paying our amazing team, everything. So When we made that decision, we knew there wouldn't be money coming in unless we did a pre launch situation. We're actually, we have a campaign coming up that will allow us also some more breathing space because during a crowdfunding campaign, people don't, you know, we're not going to ship product right away. As you know, it's going to be pre ordered, but um, it was extremely difficult. We were actually contemplating not doing it at all. We were thinking, geez, you know, let's either shut our doors completely, move on to something else. Because grow something like this does require a lot. But then we made the decision to completely rebrand it. We've almost revolutionized what deodorant should be, as my husband said. You know, it should be completely pure, completely cruelty-free, completely plastic-free. And this is what we have today. So I am glad that we decided to relaunch it. But to answer your question, was extremely difficult.
1: I would imagine you had some sort of buffer both for, you know, personal finances and business expenses going into this.
0: Yeah. Well, we, we did. We took on clients as well.
1: Okay. That consulting business that, that you do, is that... Um... So
0: that, I made I actually have consulted parents on so many different things. I, I'm also like a doula. I was going to be a midwife, but I'm All also right. a doula. And I don't work as a doula, but parents used to consult with me on natural birth. There's that. My husband has worked with some incredibly high-profile companies and celebrities on what he does. He does... A lot of the marketing ads, uh, retargeting, like amazing things, not just websites, but builds companies, brands. And he's worked with some of the top companies in the world. And he has celebrities knocking on his door to help them with their own brand. So he's had to say no now because he's working with our company full time. And it's a lot. But that's what he did during the time of when we shut down.
1: Yeah. I'd still imagine that, you know, doing this to to keep the money flowing in and then, Doing all the research and and development to to get the the new product up, that must have been intense.
0: It's intense. It's seriously intense. And that's probably why not everyone will do something like this because it's really intense. Not to mention, we have three children that are completely unschooled and home with us all the time. They go out and all this. But it's like, you know, we have our family. We want to be with them because they're the most important thing. This is why we're doing it. But then we have the business, which requires 100% of our time, both of us. So we've been alternating with that. So there's the business, like you mentioned, and there's also the family life, which we have to juggle.
1: And you're you're juggling this by alternating days when you're working on the business and your husband is taking care of the kids and and vice versa?
0: That's what we're doing. And then we have some help now. Shelly, she's amazing. She comes two days a week and watches the kids and just, you know, she's a, her background is also child directed education, child led. So she's helping them discover new things and experiment and but the rest of the time, it's me and my husband doing the juggling. Right. And you know, parents out there listening, like it's totally possible. It's never a simple way to do it, but it's worth it.
1: Yeah, we're not even going to go into the raising kids at home topic anymore because you're right; that's that's a whole different podcast. But in terms of business, how how much research and development actually? Went into finding the right ingredients and the right packaging, and then making sure that all of that comes together in a way that is you know is still viable in in a business sense.
0: Yeah, it took a lot. We it's been years of uh, tweaking and fixing and testing and seeking. But uh, we started out with different ingredient sources, different companies that source our ingredients. Uh, a couple of them, we discovered that they weren't completely pure or you know, maybe even tested on animals, we have to be careful where our ingredients come from. The ideal way is to visit where they come from, but that's not always possible. And so there was a lot of research going into that. And our packaging is 100% biodegradable made with plant-based inks. So we've almost had to custom create what we have today for our deodorant, for our consistency. That packaging comes from China right now. We haven't been able to source it in North America. Mm-hmm. But as we scale and grow, there might be companies we can work with that make sense to use here in North America, which we do want to bring it back. But um, for now, all of the jars come from Asia.
1: And the ingredients, um, where do you typically find them? Or, you know, for someone who's considering launching something like that and is really mindful of what goes into their products, where do you start the research to, to find the best ingredients
0: there are some amazing companies like uh out there that you know wholesalers that will have ingredients and if you'd like i mean i can send you personally a list of the the sources we get ours from in case you want to list them on the podcast
1: i think that would be extremely useful i mean if if you yeah. don't mind sharing what we can list it in the show notes it would yeah. definitely help people who want to follow in your footsteps
0: sure i can definitely list a few of them and and see what we could do but just uh we make sure, I mean, all our ingredients are organic for sure, so we make sure there's no pesticides or anything in them, and they're cruelty-free. And where we can use non-GMO, of course, if they're organic, typically they're non-GMO. So.
1: And then, of course, there's also the part where you need to make sure that those ingredients play together well so that the product really works and you actually have what you call a stink-free guarantee on, on your deodorant.
0: We do. And um, it's been great because it gives confidence to people that we are we stand behind our product. If for some strange reason one in a thousand or whatever will take advantage of that, we're so happy. At the end of the day you don't want unhappy people using your product or people so that one return isn't going to affect anything. It's actually a very good thing because when you have product, as you know with your companies that you've worked with, your product isn't going to satisfy 100% of the people all the time.
1: That's right. So, yeah. you know,
0: and that, that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for a niche people who are loving using a pure product, people who don't worry if their dog or cat or a child gets the product and eats it because it's completely <laughs> toxic-free. Um, and just, yeah, the people who appreciate a good product. My ideal scenario is for people to understand that, you know, for clean eaters, usually most days you're not going to need a deodorant.
1: Yeah, that's what I mentioned in the intro. I mean, eating clean definitely goes a long way towards eliminating a lot of body odors, but mm-hmm. I think that for a lot of us, and I venture to guess that for guys, it's a little bit harder because of all the hormones that we're secreting. We still need a little bit of help to, to make sure that we're, we're not stinking.
0: You're right. There's that. My husband was the major guinea pig in our company because he, he went weeks without using a product because it is a lot like he actually had some health issues that were related to plastics as well as we found an amazing doctor in Kelowna, British Columbia, who told us that it's the toxins that he's using in his food and his life and everything that mm-hmm. is contributing to a lump that's being that's growing. It sounds crazy, but the toxins in our world are contributing to this. So the deodorant was a really important part for him. So he went weeks without using it. That's really what forced me to move fast, you know, (laughs) and find something. But generally speaking, I mean, if you're already on a plant-based diet and um, you stink or something, you may want to look to see if it's a packaged food, plant-based diet, you know, if it's uh, lots of chemicals and things like that. If it's real, true, whole food, then it shouldn't be a problem. But some people, um, garlic and onions, something so healthy, some people will have some odor from eating a lot of that stuff
1: yeah what i find um don't want to be sharing too much but certain foods will change your odor for a day or two yeah so which which is probably a good indicator of how your body deals with everything that's that's in food is just eliminates it immediately and then two days later you're you're back to normal
0: totally yeah i know you're right it certainly does it's not what we put on our skin it's what we put into our body
1: yeah so the big part of, of your rebranding, as you mentioned before, was making a bigger impact. So making sure that it's not just deodorant that, that you're selling, but that you're also creating a difference in, in the world. And I would love to hear more about the, the ways that you're doing this.
0: Thank you. Yeah, we want to focus on really sort of the one way. I know there's so much we can do in the world. We've narrowed it down to basically three causes. Leading with the water one is, well, I mean, water is life. And it's one of the biggest problems that affects the world today. Over 780 million people are without water, without access to water in the world. And this is like insane. So what we're doing is we've partnered with water.org, which is uh, Matt Damon and uh, Gary White. It's their company. So we partnered with them to eliminate this issue. They're doing incredible things. And we've narrowed it down to one jar of our product. We can donate one year. So if, you know, we had a sale the other day, it was like 16 and 16 jars, 16, sticks 16 jars. That saves, that's huge for us. You know, we're able to take that and give it back to water.org. So yeah, so that's one way it's one jar, one year, one person we save. And another thing is we have impact day every single month. The first day of every single month, we take hundred percent of our sales and we Donate it to an animal advocacy group, not just any animal advocacy groups out there. We really want to make sure that the money that we give is going far. Because as you know, you can give a person money all day long, or a charity. And Mm -hmm. we don't really, this may sound really odd here on the podcast, we don't really believe in just pure charity, we believe in, in helping the community learn how to do it and fend for themselves. So you do it, you build it. Actually, the water systems that we uh, install, they're being installed, but we're teaching the village and the community how to do it themselves and how to fix it even and then show others in the community how to do it. Yeah. So with the animal advocacy, for example, some sanctuaries, animal justice, who is a, they're a legal company. They're doing incredible things. They go into courtrooms and fight for animals. So these are the types of things we want to help.
1: That's all included in your brand now that that it's relaunching. So providing water and taking one day per month to donate all of your revenues to the charity.
0: Yeah, it's just so powerful. And then the third way is we're plastic free. So the environmental aspect is we're plastic free. We're not contributing to any plastic out there on the beaches or the oceans and encouraging other companies listening. Like you mentioned, the sources for our ingredients. Well, I would like to tell companies that they can also be plastic free. I know it's not easy if you have a pump or if you have, you know, whatever delivery mechanism that your product is in. There's always a way around it. And upping your retail cost a few cents or dollars isn't going to affect, no one wants a company to fail because of packaging, right? So, you know, there's always a way around it.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I'm really sure that the same way that you researched the ingredients and, and the formula, you probably researched the different ways that your company can make an impact. So would you mind sharing some that you believe are better suited to, to startups, especially in the vegan space?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, this is another really interesting piece. Our product was being sold for $24 in stores for years and selling out $24 for a deodorant. That's not cheap. Our biggest competitor here in Canada is $30. But now because of how we source the ingredients, because of scaling, we've grown, we've been able to lower the price to $15, which is way below any of our competitors out there. I call them competitors, but really we're we're not. And we've also been able to have enough space in there in our margins to donate what i mentioned earlier um instead of 13 dollars, you charge 15 yeah honest to goodness as a consumer myself like i've you know we're all consumers of something if i had two products on the shelf jerry one of them was providing me a way with my money to be able to do this much good in the world and the other one the same product and have any social mission attached? I would choose the one that does, even if it was, say, two dollars more expensive, which in our company's case is not, it's actually cheaper. We've managed to do that yeah. after two years. You know,
1: this was going to be my, my next question What does it mean for a brand, especially for you know a smaller brand or one that's just starting out or restarting, such as is your case? Yeah, when you're at that point where really you, you want to maximize profit to accelerate growth. How does that combine with just setting off a portion of your profits for, for charity?
0: Yeah, I think I do understand what you're saying. And I remember uh, talking about this with you a little bit. Basically, the, the incredible bonus, I would call it a bonus of doing this, which is not why we decided to do this. Because I wake up now every morning really excited to get to work, excited to, in order for me to save more people Save more animals. I have to sell more deodorant. That's what it's about today. And so we have an amazing story and marketing stuff. But an added bonus to all of this is that we are more popular, and we do sell more products, and we are getting attention from media. And it's just such a good story now that
1: we had no idea
0: this would be an amazing bonus. We just wanted to do it and to make our company successful. But as an added bonus, a company with a, who's making a social impact will inevitably be more popular. And there was a study done recently that showed in seven to 10 years, they're predicting in seven to 10 years that if a company is not doing this and not creating a better world with their own brand, then they're not going to survive.
1: Yeah. So basically moving towards a, a B Corp model. Are you registered as, as a B Corp?
0: Yeah, we're actually almost there. I don't know if you've ever done the paperwork.
1: No, not haven't had the pleasure yet.
0: No, or anything. It's pretty intense. And it's wonderful that it's intense. We're learning so much, but we're literally almost there. And then what happens is every year you have to kind of, I think it's every year, every 18 months, or even two years, you have to re-qualify. They really make sure that all our T's are crossed and I's are dotted. I will say that on this note, the Cruelty Free logo was not that difficult. It makes you wonder in a store when you see a Cruelty Free symbol, that finished product would be cruelty-free, but Mm -hmm. the ingredients, they do not look at the ingredients to make sure they haven't been tested. Yeah, yeah. You
1: mentioned that when we spoke before the interview, that um, it's funny, but cruelty-free only means that the product itself wasn't tested on animals. It does not mean that the ingredients themselves were not.
0: That's right. Yeah, it's very important for consumers to know that when they're buying something that says cruelty-free, now what's happening is some of the products, I think there's something... Not a law, but it's something that says that the product has to write final product, not tested on animals.
1: Right, yeah.
0: You know, I've seen that now in in salons where they have the shampoo, final product, not tested on animals. So that, in my mind, means, of course, the ingredients have been.
1: Mm -hmm. Just in a nutshell, if we can, what does it take for a company to register as a B Corp? Now that you're that you were mentioning all that paperwork,
0: yeah. Well, that would be my husband actually who's doing it. So, and our president—they're both doing it together. So, um, have you? If you—if anyone just goes to the site uh, to—I've been on the site and the application process. I mean, and then I've talked to other companies too now because we have so many in our life that have social impact, you know, attached to it, and we were encouraged to do it. It's it's pretty intense, you know, and it's long.
1: Yeah. How long have you been doing it?
0: I'm not even sure, (laughs) but you know, it's almost there. It's crazy because we're just getting the help we need in this company to kind of, we've been wearing so many hats, right? And that's what we do when you start a company. And now finally our team has been able, it's so like such a relief on us to have a team that takes over and they're better at it. I love giving people tasks that they're better at what they do than than me, you know? (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. That's how you actually grow a business.
0: Totally. Yeah. I don't want to learn tech stuff and all of that. I want to do what I'm good at, right?
1: Yeah. So with with all the changes that are happening with your company, the bottom line, I guess, would be how are you getting back into sales after a two-year break? I mean, what what are your plans for marketing, for getting back into distribution? And well, funding, you mentioned that you were going to crowdsource this. But of course, there's also the part where you let your past customers know that you know, hey, we're back and we're even better than before.
0: Yeah, we will very soon because we're launching that crowdfunding. That's the main first step. We had a launch party locally last week and it went very very well. Also, uh, we have an amazing uh, ads and marketing person that we just took on. He's he's worked for the world's best, like he's worked for some of the biggest product launches in history. Has mm-hmm. been through jonathan's work through other people and uh, we finally have him for our company and i'm so thrilled because again i don't want to learn how to do ads and retarget he's taking four different angles for our company Uh, um he has a budget every month every day for our advertising and he's going to tweak it to see which one works the best it would take me three years to learn what he's doing you know
1: (laughs) yep what are the, the four different angles that you mentioned can you talk about that
0: well, sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, environmental, um, mm-hmm. water, water in the world, like lack of water, plastic in our oceans. Uh, so the environmental piece, animal, the animal activists, the vegan community, you know, we'll be kind of advertising all of these people, letting them know what our product is doing.
1: Yeah. And of course, this is where what you mentioned before, that being a socially responsible business is actually helping you with, with the exposure and, and helping you grow the brand before you yeah. actually start selling the product.
0: It's wonderful. Again, we'd be doing it anyways, but I am so thrilled that um, customers, people out there in the world, that means they care. You know, they really, really like, no one wants to, who wants to buy a product that's harmful for their body, the earth and animals. You know, they want to buy products that are helping the earth, helping animals and helping their body. That's the angle. I would personally pay a premium for this.
1: Yeah, and you're actually at the point where you've been able to scale this up so much that you said you're bringing the prices down.
0: They're way down, and um, we're thrilled because uh, as it was, come stores were selling out, and it was wonderful. We were below, like I said, a company here sells their product for thirty, thirty-two dollars sometimes, and we're we were way below that. But now at fifteen dollars on the shelf. Especially the look of our product. It's all natural. It's a no brainer. It's people just look at it and it's like, wow. So this one is in plastic or glass, no social mission. This one, half the price it's in biodegradable paperboard, plant-based inks, and it's doing all this good in the world because we're going to have a little postcard at all stores. It's a no brainer.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I totally buy that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the end goal for this part of the journey and what, what are your plans for the future?
0: I love that question. It's amazing. And plans for the future, I just want to make as big as an impact as I possibly can. We want to give a huge check to water.org so they can do their work properly. And this is the other thing about companies. I've met a lot of company owners who try to reinvent the wheel and create their own charities. But I say the best thing to do, there's people out there doing the good work, you know, Mm -hmm. and just partner with them and make it bigger. So that's my goal is to give the hugest check of any company to water.org, as well as um, save as many animals as possible. And we want to become a, you know, over $350 million company here within the next four years. So, And so that's, you know, financial goal, that would be, that would be it.
1: That's nice. And um, are are you going to get there with just the deodorant or do you think you'll be bringing out more natural products in the future?
0: We're, yeah, we have I think 10 other products formulated with our amazing formulator. And so I have them on the shell, I have them ready. But we're starting with deodorant, we're building a list, we're, you know, um, creating really loyal, amazing fans with this product. And then later on, certainly whatever they need, I want to add value to their life too with providing other products that fit this criteria, our ethos, and yeah, provide them with other amazing products too. But one step at a time, and I love being a singular product company. It's so simple, so clean. I'm just like in love with it. This is what we talk about is deodorant.
1: Yeah, so essentially what, what you're saying is you go in and then you just tweak that product to be the best bot- Well, that's what you named it, the best deodorant in the world. You just tweak it to, to get to that point.
0: Yeah, it's there now. No more changing the formula because it's there. We might offer another, um, like a mist or a, you know, roll on or a mist, another delivery mechanism, we might roll out with that or launch that. But until then, it's just this one product. And hopefully, yes, before three years, we'll be launching other products.
1: Nice. And since we are speaking about the future, the question that I like to end every interview with is, how do you view our potential for creating a better world through plant based and socially responsible companies? What's your best case vision of it?
0: Love it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, with, um, as you know, all the voices together make a bigger impact. So, what you're doing, Jerry, with your podcast is incredible. This is one of the amazing ways to get voices like ours out there so people can hear it and people are going to resonate with one of your guests or more, you know? And so, I also think the more knowledge and awareness around, like, not only just for the animals, but the health benefits, which, like, people in my life, you know, Joel Khan, Dr. Khan, he's incredible. Like, I follow him and there's uh, actual. Physicians and other experts out there doing it from a science based approach, which a lot of people care about in the world. It's very amazing when you can show evidence or there's data out there to prove, you know, what, what we're talking about. So there's that. When you look at companies like Beyond Meat or companies that are growing and becoming more mainstream, that's, it's just proof that people are looking for plant based, vegan, healthy, natural, natural products
1: and ways to to make an impact because i would really like to emphasize what you said before that in the future if you're not making an impact that's going to be detrimental for for the success of your brand
0: it's wonderful because our world needs it you know and it will be it will be detrimental i feel and i feel it already too because we had a company before that was doing nothing we were in a tin as much as i wanted to believe people were reusing it they weren't you know and now that we're not harming the environment, people are just like, they're literally eating it up, you know, and it's like, it feels good. So I see it from my perspective, very anecdotal, one story, but I also see it globally. A book that completely changed our view of the the business, I guess, is called Evolved Enterprise, if anyone's interested. It's our friend Yannick Silver's book. Mm -hmm. He's phenomenal. I encourage everyone to read that book. It's about companies like like ours, like Patagonia, Tom's shoes, Bombas. They buy one sock. They donate a sock to the homeless. It's just huge. I don't even know what they're valued at today. They're maybe $500 million or something. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. That's the kind of companies that will be creating a, a better future for us. That's the way I see it.
0: Making a true difference, right? Not just paying lip service to our to our causes, but making really making yes, an impact.
1: exactly. Yeah. And Margot, I, I thank you for, for the impact that you're making and that you will make in the future. And to wrap this up, where can people find out more about your brand? And of course, order some deodorant.
0: That's so great. Thank you. Thebestdeodorant.org is a simple site you can just go to. It's our site. And also, we'll be posting the campaign. You can No one can purchase it right now, though, until the campaign starts, which is next week, hopefully. So, uh, but it will all be linked to everything. So thebestdeodorant.org is the best.
1: Yeah, actually, right now we're, we're talking end of March. This interview will be coming out beginning of May. So I think that your campaign should be out by then. Yes. Yeah.
0: Definitely. Yeah.
1: Okay. Perfect, Margot. Well, thank you very much for that. I am looking forward to trying this out and um, see how stink-free that deodorant can keep me.
0: Thank you, Gary.
1: I'm really looking forward to to seeing what you come up with in in the future.
0: Thank you so, so much. And continue your awesome work for everyone in the animals. And we appreciate you very much. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Have an awesome day.
0: You too. Bye-bye.
1: Well, that was Margot Curry, the creator of the best deodorant in the world. And as I said, by the time this interview is published their launch campaign should be up and running and you'll be able to find the links to it in the show notes along with everything else that we discussed today their list of suppliers for ingredients and of course our timestamped notes for this episode so go to the plan forward slash show forward slash episode 053 and check it out and if you have any sort of business or if you're planning to launch one The one thing to take to heart would be what Margot shared about the connection between social impact and your brand's exposure and its bottom line. Because growing a company by giving money away might seem counterintuitive, but there are many examples of businesses, this one included, that show that it actually works. So that should really be a core part of your business model as an entrepreneur and as a consumer you'll probably agree that supporting a brand with a mission, it just feels better. So that's the big takeaway for today. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for playing your part in making the world a better place. I'll talk to you again soon. Until then, stay awesome and remember, the future is plant-based.